0: Hi, I'm Anna Harris, and this is the Defined by God podcast, a support resource for Christians looking for hope and healing from trauma and adversity. Join us as we interview experts, hear stories of healing from real people, and discuss and define common types of trauma, how it impacts us, and the latest and best strategies for healing and thriving. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Anna Harris, and this is the Defined by God Ministries podcast. And as you know, we talk a lot about Uh, recovery from trauma, and we help Christians who are looking for hope and healing uh, and resiliency from trauma. And so um, I am excited to bring on my guest today. She has an amazing story of escape and recovery from an abusive uh, situation that she experienced both spiritual abuse and a, a domestic abuse. Um, so she's a survivor of domestic abuse as well as spiritual abuse. Her name is Diana Iraheta. She was married to the leader of a toxic ministry for five years and was in the ministry for seven years. And after getting out and processing everything that she went through, she realized that abuse in the church is actually pretty common. And so that has inspired her to tell her story and tell how she escaped and how she has recovered. She's written a book, um, an ebook, and it's called Red Flag, which you can find on Amazon, and I've read it. I recommend it. And um, so I just want to bring uh, Diana on, and we will let her tell her story. Hi, Diana. Yeah.
1: Hi, Diana. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to share.
0: Yay. Well, I'm glad for you to come on and just be able to talk about what you experienced, but also how you got out and how you have recovered. So, um, and I was mentioning, like, we actually knew each other back when you were in this situation. And um, I didn't really, I picked up on a little bit of it, but as a lot of abuse situations from the outside, things looked fairly normal. And I think that's pretty common, but, I'm going to go ahead and let you tell your story and, um, I'll, you know, interject a couple of questions here and there, but I think our listeners are going to be very interested to hear
1: what, what you have to say. For sure. So no, you are right, Anna. Um, we did know each other of each other. We met, you know, we had those, um, encounters and it's not uncommon, for when somebody meets someone in an abusive relationship, for them to really not pick up on it or even be aware that there's something deeper going on. Um, I would say a lot of times it is going on behind closed doors, especially when it comes to people in ministry. So my ex, he was the leader of a ministry and he actually really was connected to a lot of people that I would say are well known in the Christian circles. And so when when I first got involved in his ministry, it was not in the sense of like a romantic relationship. It was me and my whole family, we all got involved and we our heart has always been to serve God. My, you know, I got saved when I was 13. My heart has always been to love and to serve God. And so when this opportunity came up that he presented us to help him start his ministry, it seemed like an answer to prayer. It seemed like, OK, wow, Lord, like all of us, that is our heart. My mom, my brothers, we just want to be of use for the kingdom of God. And so when we first met him, he seemed like this man that just loved the Lord, very passionate, very I would say charismatic and personality, you know, very outgoing. Like if you were in a restaurant and he walked in, you would know like that kind of personality. And so, you know, we were really excited. We thought we got hooked up into a an anointed, you know, ministry that's going to be used for the purposes of God. So originally, that's how I got involved. Um, I would say over time, there was little things that that popped up, like he might have a blow up um, of anger here and there. But one thing that as Christians, as believers that we really um, focus on is like giving people grace, giving them love, forgiveness, not holding things against people. Like, you know, uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is kind of used in the sense of keep no record of wrongs. So That's kind of the angle that we would approach it. We would see little things here and there, not on a daily basis by any means, but just as we were getting more involved in the ministry, we would see maybe he would have a a blow up or he would get really angry over something. But then we would just be like, well, nobody's perfect. You know, he moves in the gifts of the spirit. I mean, this was a man that I could go to Denny's with and he would be ministering to the waiter or waitress and have them in tears and giving them accurate prophetic words so it was somebody who seemed to be linked to the lord on a deep level so all that to say as time went on um i'll just kind of throw in there too that one thing i feel like that happens in the church not every denomination maybe but i come from a very like spirit filled prophetic kind of a background and Um, I had a lot of people coming to me and coming to my ex telling us that they felt like the Lord was putting us together. And so that was another thing of, I want to love God. I want to please God. And if he is putting us together for marriage, I want to honor that. And I want to stop quick and say that if obviously we all have to hear the Lord for ourselves. So even if you are being told oh, this person is your husband or your wife. It's something that you need to know for yourself without a shadow of a doubt. And don't feel like you have to listen to what other people say. Like, first and foremost, we need to hear from God ourselves. But at that time, you know, I was like, okay, well, people are saying this. So apparently we're supposed to get married. So we did end up getting married. And before we got married, we had a really, I would say, a good friendship. Um, I was even at one point trying to help him date another girl and like, yeah, trying to help him like approach her in a way where she might uh, accept it. So I just thought it was funny that we ended up together. Um, But I would say right after we got married, something shifted in him where it was like overnight. It was almost literally overnight where he went from seeming to like me, to just detesting me all the while still having a ministry, still ministering to others, going on on missions trips and different things like that. And I was yet his wife and being rejected. And it started out pretty intense um, just with like name calling anger. I mean, I remember there was one point where he, I was like standing against the wall and he was standing in front of me and he was yelling at me, telling me that if I wanted to be in ministry, that I had to get used to basically being verbally abused. Um, So it was pretty crazy. He was just like, if you want to be in ministry, you have to get used to being called names. You have to get used to being uh, rejected. And it was like, he was, he was the one doing it to me. It wasn't coming from other people. Yeah, how crazy is that? Yeah.
0: The other thing that you said in your book which is um so disturbing is that he would use the prophetic and I say prophetic um to abuse you and other people. Mm-hmm. Like God is saying this to you. Can you give kind of give an example of that? Sure.
1: So yeah, he he was I, I say self-proclaimed prophet now. At the time I thought he was a true prophet, you know, because I do believe in the gifts of the spirit. I do believe there are prophets for today. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, he's a prophet, you know. But uh one thing he would do is he would like start telling us, like saying, I know what's in your heart. And like he would like say things to us that weren't we didn't maybe necessarily feel true but we were like well maybe he's discerning something in my heart that i don't know that's there and he would start like making us feel like we were falling away from god or we weren't pleasing god and so yes he would use the prophetic a lot of times to control us even when it came to like say somebody wanted to leave the ministry Mm -hmm. he would come down on them very hard, like, no, this is not the Lord's will. If you leave, you're gonna fall away from God, uh you're gonna lose your destiny, like as if being tied up in his ministry was the only way to go.
0: Mhm, well, wow.
1: yeah, so it was really hard,
0: yeah, and it just got worse as it as time went on, right oh,
1: definitely, definitely. I would say, like as things went on, his outburst and his rage got worse. And I want to pause quick because I'm sure people are like, well, if you saw him getting like into rages, why didn't you leave or, you know, why, what, what stopped you or what didn't stop you basically. And so I want to say when any kind of re- abusive dynamic, whether it's a spiritually abusive dynamic through a ministry, or if it's a um, in a relationship, the that of relationship doesn't start off with those extreme examples. Right. And I want to say all abuse isn't covert in the sense of raging. So he had that covert rage, but it didn't start off with that. It started off with him showing us the side of him, you know, the the charismatic, fun uh, man of God who operates in the gifts of the spirit, you know, things like that. So that was our lens that we saw him right. and I think that coupled with the teachings of forgiveness and grace and not holding records of wrongs. So anytime he would blow up on us, we it was like we were just pushed to forgive and move on and there was no processing.
0: Mm-hmm. And so I
1: think that tied with the spiritual abuse of since he's a prophet, we can't speak against him. So the scripture verse, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm, was quoted to us very often.
0: I, I bet. But That's a favorite one of abusers. Yes. So
1: abusers. we yeah. heard that a lot. So it, even like, I remember times where even with just me and my mom, we were even scared to talk about what was going on because we thought we were going to get struck down by God. Oh, Wow. I mean, there was there was a time that a lady that was getting involved with the ministry who left and shortly after a family member of hers died. And he was like, "Yup, it's because she came against me and that's the Lord dealing with her. And I was just like, what? You know, like it it was just like that Old Testament fire and brimstone, like God's going to curse you, you know, and and part of me wrestled with that because prior to being in this ministry, I never really saw God like that. I saw him through the lens of the cross and the, and the new Testament. And, you know, he took, Jesus took upon every curse on, on the cross. Right. But then I think one thing that we, a trap we fell into not really realizing is we thought just because he did have these gifts, just because he could accurate accurately prophesy and you know, move in the gifts of the spirit that somehow that meant that he was aligned correctly with the Lord. Yeah. Like why would the Lord move through somebody powerfully if they weren't
0: Mm -hmm. correctly
1: aligned with him? So I think that was a mistake that we made.
0: Yeah. And that's hard to, to kind of think through that and push through all, all those thoughts like you know, because there's good parts too. Like you see him minister to somebody and it's accurate and it touches their heart. And then, so it's confusing sometimes to see this, you know, like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde in a way. (laughs) Yeah,
1: definitely. But Mm -hmm. one thing that upon seeking, you know, and asking the Lord, how is this possible? How can somebody who's so angry, so rageful, Basically just rejecting everybody in the ministry, even though we're giving our all, we're giving everything, like all of our money, like everything into this ministry. And yet it was never good enough. Um, Seeking the Lord, like, how is this possible? Well, after I left and was able to really process everything, one scripture verse that came to my mind was the gifts and calls are without repentance. Mm-hmm. So basically you can be gifted. God can place a gift into you and to me and to all of us. He gives us all gifts. Mm -hmm. Um, But just because we're gifted doesn't mean that our character is where it needs to be. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why there's, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a big shift in the church at large on shifting from just looking at the gifts to really looking at the character. Yes. How you treat people, how you treat your wife, how you treat your family. Those things are the foundation before you can, you know, the gifts, yeah, they're great. But if what does First Corinthians thirteen say? Without love, I have nothing. Mm-hmm. So you're just, yeah, you can speak in tongues and you can prophesy, but without love, you're just a banging gong. Yeah. Cool.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important for people like you to tell your story because um there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that goes on in some um, ministries and some marriages relation relationships. And so sometimes things do look, you know, good from the outside, but behind the scenes is very, very different. So it's good right. for people like you to tell your story. And, um, so tell us what, like, how did you get out? Like, did how did your eyes begin to get open? And like, what was the last
1: straw for you? Sure. So, the, so how did all that happen? So it kind of happened in two steps. So the first step was me accepting that I was going to get a divorce. So I have always been a very like committed, loyal person. And like growing up, divorce just seemed like such a tra- travesty. Mm -hmm. So I I had already been through one divorce at that point. My first husband had left me for somebody else. And I fought for that marriage for two years. And so, you know, fought in the sense of praying, fasting, hoping and praying that God would restore. Uh And so that's kind of a story on its own. But the Lord had to release me and tell me my grace is not here. You know, he's made his decision. He doesn't want to change. So I had to accept, Okay, my first husband chose to abandon our marriage and leave me for someone else and i had to accept that it was around that time of that ending that i met my second ex but like i said it didn't start off with anything romantic i never thought it would go to that place um so for me to have the reality that i'm at time i think i was 28 and being like i'm gonna go through another divorce. like It was very hard. I wrestled with God about it Mm
0: -hmm. because
1: I knew my marriage was bad. It wasn't until I I got out and years later that I realized it was actually domestic abuse. I was Mm -hmm. being uh, emotionally abused, rejected, isolated. I mean, he would leave me for days at a time. I didn't know what was going on. Half the time, I wasn't allowed Mm -hmm. to look at the bank accounts. I had no access to anything. I mean, I would walk to work half the time because I I didn't even have a car. And you
0: were working money. and bringing in money, but yes. then not allowed to. Yeah, use it.
1: Right. I was keeping a very small amount of my money, and I was it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. So it affected my finances, which is another thing that happens in abusive relationships: is people's yeah. finances get totally messed up sometimes. So anyway, so it happened in two steps. So I had to, I wrestled with God, like, am I really going to get another divorce? Even though I know this marriage is terrible. And I laid prostrate on my face before God crying out for him to restore it or change his heart. Um, But I would say the, the thing that, what is that saying? The straw that broke the camel's back in that sense was he had already been gone for about three to five days. I can't remember. I just know it was at least three days. He was out of town and I was just in our room and we had just recently like moved into a a rental house. Before that we were living in the ministry building Mm. and I just slept on on the floor in an office. Wow. So I didn't even, yeah. So all that to say, I was in our room and he walks in the room and the instant that he saw me, he got angry and Mm. he told me that I was draining his anointing.
0: So, You're draining his anointing? Yeah.
1: Just my, just by looking <laughs> yeah. at me, just my presence just wow. irritated him. And I never understood what about me is so irritating. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not trying to irritate you. I'm just yeah. here, you know, existing. And so he left again. He closed the door and left. And I was just, like, shocked. I was just sitting there stunned, like, are you serious right now? Like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what did I do? You know, nothing. And so I just locked myself in the closet like I had done many times before in the in the course of this marriage to pray. Mm-hmm. But I would say the difference about this time is that I allowed myself instead of my prayer shifted from God. Uh, fix this marriage, save this marriage, uh, work on his heart. It shifted from that to me crying out to God, is it OK if I leave? Mm
0: hmm. Yeah.
1: Because I'm being rejected. I felt like Leah, you know, the mm-hmm. the story in the Bible with yeah. Rachel and Leah only, I felt like Leah times 10. Okay. Yeah. Like I really related to Leah just being just didn't even unwanted basically. Yeah. And so I just cried out to God, like, is it okay if I get a divorce? Cause at the time in my mind, I thought you could only get a divorce if there was adultery Or your spouse was an unbeliever. Right. And I'm like, well, he's not an unbeliever. He preaches Jesus, you know. And as far as I know, nobody's, I know I haven't cheated. And if he did, I I didn't, I had no clue. So, um,
0: yeah. And that's a common teaching in certain church circles. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to, it's hard to wrap our brains around you know, and get past that when you've been taught that for a long time yes. or it's in the culture where, you know, divorce is not an option yes. and God hates divorce, that mm-hmm. type of that all type of, of those thinking. things. Yep. Mm-hmm. So,
1: yeah. so I was wrestling with God, like over these scriptures, like, is it like, I can't yeah, I'll, you know, there's no adultery or whatever, but really like, is this really what you want for me? And so it was the Lord who had, he had to shine the light on my heart. And what the way he did it was he showed me how he viewed me as his daughter.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: And he revealed to me that you are my daughter and I love you. And mm-hmm. imagine if you had a daughter, would you want her in this situation? Yeah. And I was like, no. i wouldn't want my daughter to be married to someone like this exactly and it wasn't like i knew in an instant that what i was going through was abuse but god showed it was the love of the father of showing me his love for me as my father that Mm -hmm. no i don't want you to be in this situation and so that's what gave me peace for the first time in a long time i felt peace in my heart Mm -hmm. and so i accepted okay we're gonna Get a divorce, I was like, when he gets back, I'm gonna tell him. Like, I feel like the Lord said it's okay for us to get a divorce. I know that probably might totally rack some people's brains, but it's just the truth, you know. And so when I when he came back, I told him he really didn't fight me on it because he would threaten with me with divorce all the time anyway, mm-hmm. if I didn't line up or if I didn't do this or do that. Mm-hmm. But here's the kicker: even though we were gonna get a divorce, he still didn't want me to leave his ministry. He That's stated. crazy. I saw that in your
0: book. I was like, what? <laughs> yes. crazy.
1: So yeah. So even after we announced it to the core people, like we're getting a divorce, mm-hmm. he had a meeting with me and everybody. So here's the thing about abusers, especially like cult leaders is they know how to round everybody up and kind of like,
0: and really control the narrative of yes. how things are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So everybody it was like everybody was like oh you don't and i i don't hold it against them because i know you're you're basically brainwashed when you're in these situations right they're just like just because you're getting a divorce doesn't mean you have to leave the ministry we still need you and it was it was made made to feel like my destiny was still somehow tied into this ministry Mm -hmm. so even though i was like what like how is this is weird why we're getting a divorce and i'm gonna stay you know so We, our divorce was final in December of 2014, and I finally left for good in May of 2015.
0: Left the church. Yeah. Left the ministry. Yeah. But, so it
1: happened in twofold. We got a divorce, and that was like a, a process in and of itself. It took like a year or something before it came to fruition, because I didn't have any money, and he wasn't stepping up to pay for it. So make that make sense mm-hmm. you know so um it was just the process of getting the money and doing i had to do it all basically you know yeah and um so finally even after we were divorced i was still for a short time in the ministry
0: and um, your family was still there as my well. family was so still that made it hard everyone, as well yeah. yes
1: everybody was still tied up in the ministry friends yeah my yeah. friends yep yeah. so mm-hmm. Um, I would say the thing that finally made me leave, like open my eyes fully was the last service I ever attended. He basically, he, I, I, it was weird. Like, yes, he had that prophetic gift. So I think he could sense something in me was changing, but it was like so twisted because instead of coming from the father's heart, it was like, you want to leave? Fine. Uh, and like, I was standing up just weeping and he was just like screaming at me in front of everybody, just going oh. off on me, telling oh me gosh. I was a Jezebel and all this other stuff. Mm. And a lot of times he would do that, but it was in a way of like control and reverse psychology because then it worked for a long time where he would be like, if you want to leave, leave and like screaming at us. But then it would make us almost guilt trip us into staying, if that makes mm-hmm.
0: sense. Yeah.
1: So, but this time it didn't work. I went home. I was like, I don't think I'm ever going back there again. And so I I went on like my own little prayer retreat on my own to Galveston. I rented a hotel for like a week. Because at that time I was starting to stop giving all my money. Like I was like, I need to like survive. So um, I rented a hotel for a week just to pray. And like, because it was still so even though we were divorced, there was still that confusion of like, is this God's will for me to be here or not? Mm -hmm. And around that same time, I had, I actually met my current husband, but it was online and it was through Instagram, weirdly enough. And we had just met and we were just like talking on like messages and stuff like that. So I was like, even though I just met this person, And I'm over here, you know, praying about whether I should leave this ministry for good, good. Um, And this was like in April when this happened. Um, I told my current husband, who at the time had like I had no clue that I would end up actually marrying him, what was going on. And just hearing him say, if I were you, I would have left a long time ago. Mm -hmm. What's happening is not okay. Yeah, And then he shared, like, a very mild story in comparison of something that happened at a church he went to and how the leadership blessed him.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they were like, it's okay if you feel like you need to leave. We bless you. Yeah. And it was total opposite. So combined with me, like, crying out to God. Actually, God used music, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you know the You Make Me Brave album by Bethel. Oh.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. but
1: I had bought that album around the same time and there was like some songs on there that were speaking to me about moving and God is with me. And so yeah. I know it's like unconventional the way that God got me out, but I think it had to be because I was so isolated. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about somebody who was basically in a cult.
0: Yes. You, you know, I was just about that. to mention that about isolation yes. because um you're when people are in a cult, they're so isolated from, and and by design, like the leaders design it that way, mm-hmm. yes. because you don't want outside people saying, hey, that's weird. That's not right. You know, but mean? as soon as you had someone, you know, who's now your husband saying, that's not right, you know, that outside voice coming in, then it's like it helped you. It gave you some strength to be able right. to see things
1: to say okay I'm not I'm not disobeying God I'm not a Jezebel just because I want to leave this ministry like he had yeah. us so convinced that if we were to leave that we were going to fall away from God yeah and so I was already I had one foot out the door but that made me have both feet out the door so on May 5th I still remember May 5th of 2015 I had a meeting with him and I just think it's funny because May 5th is Cinco de mile, which is like oh a, Right. Like Freedom day. <laughs> and I am half Mexican. So, hey. Uh-huh. Um, but so I had a meeting with him and I was like, I feel like the Lord's telling me to leave. And of course, he tried his old tricks. He was telling me the same old thing that it's not the Lord's will. He got really worked up emotionally like, no, you can't go, which is weird. It's like, why did you want me to stay so bad? But you you basically rejected me so much in our marriage. It makes no yeah. sense to me. Unless it's just a control issue. And he even had his spiritual mom basically confirm that it wasn't the Lord's will mm-hmm. for me to leave. But I was like, nope, I'm leaving. And that was it. I never went back after that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: How did that feel getting out and getting free?
1: It felt good. It felt really good. It was like, you're, it's like I left and part of me was expecting the world to just, explode but it didn't Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) it's so funny like all the threats all the things that you're told will happen if you leave don't you're like wow this was just a facade all along it was all about control it was Mm -hmm. all about one man's agenda to prop himself up you know
0: yeah i think you had mentioned that it took you a while like when you first left you just left but it took you a while to really sort of begin healing and processing what yes. had happened.
1: Yes. So I've explained it before to different people. It's kind of like getting in an accident. Yeah. When you, like, say you get in an accident, not bad enough to like disable you, but you're in a pretty bad accident. And say initially the adrenaline stops you from feeling the effects of that accident because you're uh-huh. in survival mode. Right. So your body's like, Adrenaline, get out of the, you know, and you just imagine running away from the scene and you think you're okay because the adrenaline is pumping through your body. So I feel like for the first four-ish years after I left, I was in that, I was still in that adrenaline survival mode. Right. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling the effects. I knew it was bad, but I'm not really feeling the effects of everything that happened. Because at the time, I just wanted to just put everything under the rug. I had mm-hmm. gotten married. And for the first time, like, actually have a good marriage by the grace of God. It's not something that, side note, it's not that I'm, like, encouraging people to just jump into another relationship. It seems like, you know, after one ended, but the previous marriage that I had wasn't a marriage. So, yeah. like, I was single anyway. So, I don't know. I just felt like God used my now husband as a piece, like we were talking about isolation to get me out. Mm-hmm. So all that to say for the first four years or so of our marriage, I was really focused on just, you know, we had two kids, just focused on our marriage. Being in Minnesota is where I'm currently at. I'm originally from Texas. It's really beautiful here. Mm-hmm. Like nature is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. So all of that in a, in a sense was healing for me. Right. Um, just being out of that environment of of Houston of the area I'm from and being in a different area that was healing for me but I but as you know with trauma it doesn't just disappear right you know you have to face it eventually and i had to be in god's time cuz i think sometimes when if for depending on how bad it was to try to face it too soon might be too hard or too painful mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, because you were in survival mode, mostly during the relationship, it sounds oh, like. Yeah.
1: I was uh, in, what is that, fawn, fight, flight, or freeze? I mm-hmm. I was between fawn and freeze most of yeah. the time. Sounds I like did it. whatever I could do to appease so mm-hmm. that there's no blow-ups or just mm-hmm. freeze and just don't do anything. Maybe if I don't move, I won't get hurt, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. Yeah. So it took a while for my body to be able to get out of that yeah
0: and then just so people know there's a in um ptsd post-traumatic stress disorder um is one thing but then there's complex ptsd which is when someone has been in a situation for a length of time like a prisoner of war or in your case in an abusive very abusive situation right so that takes time you know for healing and for sure unpacking it. And so what's been healing for you when, once you did start to like process it and look at it, what, what did you find to be healing?
1: So I would say what kicked started the healing was, um, I felt like the Lord was telling me to write a book about Mm -hmm. the experience, which is the book that you read. So that was kind of like opening the can. And so I opened the can. I was scared at first, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I made it very concise because mm-hmm. at the time I was like, I just want to focus on warning others. I just wanted yeah. my heart was I want to warn others so that they have a frame of reference of what to look for when they're getting involved in a ministry. Mm-hmm. And so that's really what started my healing journey. Yes. Red flag. The yes, yeah, there's
0: your book. Attributes. I've read it. I do recommend it to people. And it's a quick read. It doesn't take very long, Um, but go ahead. So that was the, that was the start.
1: Yes. That was the start. So then as I start kind of um, writing the book and at the time I had a, my daughter was still nursing and it was just like, you know, I was doing everything I can to write it and just, I I felt such a burden to get it out. Uh And around the same time, I noticed some other like kind of exposure stuff happening and there's just the general Christian world, and it was just so interesting all the timing of everything mm-hmm. that was going on.
0: Yeah, and, like the two movement, church two movement. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm.
1: so, I was like, okay, interesting, interesting. And then, yeah. as I've learned more about trauma, of course, I went to. I've gotten therapy and counseling, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've done a little bit of EMDR and just talk therapy and those kind of things. Um, and I was diagnosed with PTSD, which I'm not afraid to admit I was. Yeah. And anxiety. Of course
0: you yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And so I, would, I wouldn't I would say that I'm like 100% healed, but I'm a, a lot more, a lot better yeah. than I was. Yeah. So like I said, started writing the book started it. Then I would say what's really continued the healing was seeking therapy just to talk about it, just to get it out. And another thing that helped me, too, was my ex. I actually saw him being interviewed on a show from, mm-hmm. for a pretty major ministry. So mm-hmm. I reached out to them and I was like, they need to know, like, this mm-hmm. guy, what he's done. You know, they need to know who they're dealing with, basically. And that just goes to show how sneaky they can be, you know, yeah. like, because I have a lot of respect for this ministry. So I was like, wow, he's trying to get under the radar there. Mm hmm. And so what was healing is when I reached out to them, they believed me. Oh, they didn't yeah. push me off. they That's good. I yeah. had screenshots anyway of like, because in my book, I have some like test, like victim statements. So I had screenshots of their victim statements. And so they believed me. They confronted him. They tried to get him to work with them as far as like a restoration, but he mm-hmm. didn't, of course, take that opportunity. But I just remember when I was on the phone with the leader of this ministry, I was like, my body was shaking.
0: Oh, it was wow. just
1: talking to somebody about it, besides like my husband or my family.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: this is before I I sought there because this was back in twenty, the very, early twenty twenty, like January twenty twenty. I was like shaking. My body was just releasing all this.
0: Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: and so yeah, I would say talking about it, talking about it. I always say when you're when you've gone through a traumatic situation, you are in part of healing is taking back your voice.
0: Yes. You
1: are in control of what you want to say and what you don't want to say. And that's Mm -hmm. okay. If you don't want to talk about it publicly like this, find somebody who's safe that you can trust, whether that be a therapist, whether Mm -hmm. that be a friend, you know, a pastor, maybe that you're close to that, you know, you can trust. Just finding safe community
0: who's going to believe
1: you. That's yeah. huge,
0: yeah, and that can be hard because there can be other people who don't believe it, like, Oh no, this person is a wonderful minister, you're just wrong, or whatever, you know, yep. and that makes it hard.
1: But oh, for sure, and that's mm-hmm. why I'm so passionate about spreading awareness because yeah. it's like, because it is so some of it can be very covert, like, like I said, my. My ex was pretty overt in, in how he was with his, well, at least behind closed doors, maybe it kind of seeped out a little bit in public, but it was nothing like behind closed doors, Mm -hmm. but there, there can be abusive dynamics where it's a lot more covert, where it's not like they are blowing off, you know, blowing their lid every week or something, but it's just very cold or very like, there's a lot of rejection, Mm -hmm. which I had that too. Yeah, or passive so aggressive. Mm-hmm. Passive aggressive. So we can't, we can't judge a victim's story by what we see some person in public because right. we don't know what's going behind the closed yeah. doors.
0: And another thing I know that you did was you got a lot of education about domestic abuse and spiritual mm-hmm. abuse, and because um, I know you're in, you're part of the Call to Peace advocacy uh, program as well, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's
1: a, yes, it's am. a, yeah. And that's actually been, I was going to say, that's actually been really healing too. Um, because yeah. it, a lot of the people going through the course are survivors, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's just like learning about, just getting confirmation of like, okay, oh, hey, this is what that was. That's what that was. That's what that's called. Mm-hmm. And actually, I kind of mentioned it in my book, Stockholm Syndrome.
0: Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Where I was watching a Netflix show after I left, I had just got married. I was watching a Netflix show about this lady who had been kidnapped mm-hmm. and she had, I guess there was opportunities for her to leave here and there, but she stayed because she had Stockholm syndrome where she started in a sense bonding with yeah. her captor, and it's yeah. a survival. It's just right. a survival. you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And tactic. you call it also trauma bonding And so basically when someone denies you, denies, denies, denies the things that you need, um, that you actually do need, and then they suddenly then give you something that you need, whether it's attention or basic necessity, you're so thankful for that. You know, you begin to really, oh, (laughs) so, yeah. And that's part of it all too. Yeah.
1: That's one thing I learned in this advocacy training is trauma bonding. That yeah. they were saying, pe- we've heard of Stockholm syndrome, but really it's trauma bonding. Where, like you said, you're so starved for just any good little bone they might throw you that when they give it to you, it feels amazing, like wow, you know. Yeah. And and you're and you're doing it out of a place of survival, thinking that you need this to survive. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. it was just really confirming for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm really proud of you for you know. Um, getting out, but then also turning around and telling your story uh, and learning, you know, as much as you can um, about spiritual abuse and domestic abuse. So let me put up, I know you have, um, you've created a Facebook page that you post information and things like that, that people can see. Um, and it's equipped and free your Facebook page. Um, yeah. and then one other thing that I wanted to mention, um, was if people, and you had mentioned this, um, the hotline.org, tell people about that, what that
1: is. Sure. So if you are, if you're on the fence of like, is my relationship abusive, you can go to the hotline.org. They have so much information on there that explains every kind of abuse, emotional abuse, physical, Mm -hmm. sexual, mental, psychological, all of it. Because I think for the longest time, it's been viewed, abuse has been viewed as only physical.
0: Only physical, right.
1: So Mm -hmm. it, it covers it all. And so you can go there to get information on are you in an abusive relationship, but they also give you resources and tips on how to leave, which is Mm. the most dangerous part Right for domestic abuse relationships. Mine was a little different, but like in some domestic abuse relationships, the most dangerous part to leave is leaving because they don't want to lose control. So they will do everything they can to hold on to you. So the hotline.org gives you Mm -hmm. amazing advice on safety planning and and escaping an abusive relationship as well. Right. Yes. Safety planning is Mm -hmm. so important.
0: And um, sometimes people ask, they will ask why didn't that person leave? Well, um, when you, when they do leave, they want to do it in a safe way. And so we can't judge from the outside the timing or anything like that. And we should never tell somebody oh, you need to just leave because, you know, um, only that person can can really know um, what, what's going to be safe, you know, for them. So, so that's part of being an advocate. Yes. That's part of what? Say that again.
1: Being an advocate is not saying you need to do this, you need to do that, but just giving them the resources so that they know that they can make the right choice when they need to
0: right yeah yeah and having that support yeah so okay and i'll put back up equipped and free and um what are you doing with the facebook page you're really trying to educate people and give a voice Spread awareness yeah mm-hmm.
1: yeah i from everything that i've gone through i feel like the first step to freedom is awareness yeah because yeah. for if you're not even aware that what you're going through is the abuse You're just going to think this is just really hard. I just need to try harder. I just need to pray more. I just need to fast more, which is everything I did. Mm -hmm. Um, So I feel like the first step to really getting free is being aware. So I try to post a lot of things explaining what abuse is, you know, untwisting scriptures in a sense of like, these are the scriptures that were kind of used against me or that kept me the thought process behind the scriptures or the teachings I should say that use those scriptures that kept me bound to kind of like show other people. This is not really actually what it meant. You know, this is not what Jesus meant when he said that, you know? Yes, exactly. Okay. That's so good.
0: Okay. And here's your book one more time. If people want to find that it's on Amazon, it's an ebook. And so they can download it and read it. And, um, yeah. And it was also interesting that you got, um, you know, testimonies from other people that were in the same situation, which is, um, it's, it's helpful, you know, just confirming your story as well.
1: Yeah, for
0: okay. sure. Okay. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I think that, you know, your story will help people that might, either be in a similar situation or they know someone that's in a similar situation. Um, because sometimes it is hard when we do, we know someone in a situation and we kind of can see it, but you don't know what to do. So this is a good way for people to begin to be educated about yes. what these kinds of things look like. And yeah. so. well, thank you so much. Um, any last thing that you want to say
1: to people listening or watching? I was going to one last thought I had in my head, because you mentioned there, you know, there was a victim statements in my book is that I would love to see kind of a shift in the Christian realm when it comes to people who've gone through abuse or spiritual abuse. Um, if they're struggling with their faith or because even some of the people that went that went through the abuse in that ministry have walked away from God yeah and. It grieves my heart, but I understand why they did, mm-hmm. you know, and I would love to see the shift of like, when we see, like, I feel like there's a lot of labeling of church hurt and like, oh, well, you just must have never, you didn't believe in God anyway in the first place and it's kind of dismissive, but mm-hmm. I would love to see that shift of compassion for the lost. Uh,
0: yeah. That
1: maybe have been walked away from their faith or, you know, are questioning mm-hmm. because of all the abuse that they went through, like, instead of dismissing it or, you know, pushing them away, having a, a response of compassion for the lost. Yeah. So. yeah.
0: That's a very good point. Particularly when um, God's name has been used in the abuse, um, yes. then it takes time for people to kind of separate that out. You know, how much of this, was God and is he really saying these mean things to me or is this just this person? So it's a process of yes, sure. recovery. Yeah. For, for people to kind of separate that out and, you know, be able to, to trust God again or trust scripture again if, you know, when the Bible has been used against them. So sure. yeah, that's Absolutely. a very good point. So, Okay. All right. Well, thank you again for coming on. And um, I just thank everybody for watching and listening. And uh, you can find Diana on Facebook at Equipped and Free, her Equipped and Free Facebook page. And of course, you can find Defined by God Ministries at definedbygod.com. And we also have a Facebook group and an email list and lots of resources um, for you. And until next time, thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for joining us for the Defined by God podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit our website at definedbygod.com and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and email list.